So what do you want to say? Oh, I just wanted to say that on this episode, so I, you know, we've let you know I'm going to ask my dad these questions, but I asked him these questions at the sacrifice of my own voice because at the time of the recording, we only had two microphone capability and we have since upgraded, as you'll see in the upcoming weeks, a little tease for the, the listeners, but yeah, so if you don't hear from me, it's because I thought at the time the podcast could only handle one Lazowski, and we only had two microphone capabilities, so I didn't want to constantly be moving the mic. But And how elevated were you when you were... When... I think it was pretty tame. <laughs> I think it was pretty tame. Okay. Because I wanted to get the questions. I think I had beers, and I was burping a lot, unless that was Jaden's episode. Okay. But you, whenever your dad is around and the cookies are flowing, you'll partake and then those hit you with a wallop they hit you with a wallop <laughs> they hit me like a 22 caliber bullet like i can keep pressing on but yeah you'll feel it for sure all right so on with the show Well, listeners, sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. You know, he fits right in there. And that's my dad in Toronto. And even if he is an efficient man, and dad was most certainly that, quite possibly the most efficient in the GTA, which would place him high in the running for most efficient worldwide, well, but sometimes there's a man. And sometimes there's a man. Ah, I lost my train of thought. But this episode is dedicated to my dad, Orest Lozowski. And we want to sort of explain a little more there? Or? You want to explain to people your dad, like the birds and the bees? How well, no, but in the sense that why we had him on... Um, Something had come up in my algorithm about uh, seven questions you should ask your mother before it's too late. And lo and behold, it's too late for me to ask my mother. So I flipped it and I decided these were going to be questions I would ask my dad. Um, Ben's always been, I don't want to say in awe, but uh, stymied. By me, he's always in constant surprise by my energy level and uh, outlook on things. And I don't know, maybe you can jump in here. There was a very <laughs> revealing comment he made about uh, the day you were born, which uh, has unveiled so much and stuck with me all ever since. So <laughs> I can't tell you at what uh, time it was in the entire uh, conversation, but listen to it. It's in there. Yeah, so we decided to have him on. Uh, we asked these seven questions. Um, you get a little more insight on, yeah, how I am the way I am. Um, and he uh, he's only part of the reason, I will say. I, at some point, I realized that we put our parents up on these pedestals, um, deserving and not in some cases. I, I'll say in this case, yeah, I, I would agree with everything I'm, I'm very happy with who my dad is and all that um but you can't always agree on everything and it's uh 
you see some children have difficult relationships with their father and I was blessed. I um, had a very good, healthy relationship with my father, albeit unique. He's, uh, he doesn't march to the beat of <clears throat> someone else's drummer. He marches to the beat of his own drum. And I think we can all agree that I definitely took that, um, with, with certainty and just sort of ran with it as soon as I could. Was it a different situation with your mother? Was it a yin and yang? She was very much the, no, no, be, do this, do that, be sort of within the four corners of the square. And he was like, no, man. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. I was very respectful of my mother uh, at the beginning and everything. I think as I got older, I started to lose a bit of my patience. Shame on me for that. But dad definitely played a very instrumental role, obviously, in who I am, shaping who I am now. And you'll get to hear about some of that in uh, today's episode. So we're happy to bring you my dad for this episode of Shooting the Shite. He's been in Toronto his whole life. I, uh, I'm uh, 72 years old, born in 1951. My mother walked to St. Mike's to uh, have me. And... Uh, um, I've lived downtown most of my life until uh, I moved out to the Pickering area. Where was your father that your mother had to walk to the hospital to have you? Oh, he was probably working. They were immigrants. My father came over in 49, my mother in 50. I was born in 51. So uh, they struggled. They didn't have anything and uh, had to, uh, you know. What year was this again, sorry? For what? When you were born? 51. So she's at home because she's pregnant and he's off doing a job. It's a one-income family. More, well, probably more. He had two or three jobs. And and she her water breaks and she has to go to the hospital and it's 51, so there's no cell phones, obviously. No, and we lived by, we rented behind the art gallery and she could walk from there to St. Mike's. And uh, Did he make it for your birth? Do you know your dad? Absolutely no idea. Hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, because she would have called work and said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to the hospital. I think, I think um, Orist is coming." <laughs> I, I have I have no recollection. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Hard to remember that. I far do back. know this. I did not speak English until I was about five years old. I oh. spoke Ukrainian and German. Um, and do you still speak those today? No. Uh, you lose it when you don't use it. Uh, German is easier for so me to... My dick's about to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you don't use it, you lose it. Said, That's why my dick's about to fall off. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, um, Do you have, can you pinpoint the very first memory you have? Of? Life. Like, what's your very first memory? Oh, God. I remember mine. I've, I've seen a picture of me in diapers um, at High Park. And uh, I they recall me running around like crazy at High Park. And uh, I recall hallucinating at night 
um, <laughs> at that time. From I guess from the fever, the, the whatever. But I, I remember the hallucination. It was uh, like a witch and a bunch of elves all dancing around. What are we talking about? Where how what? <laughs> where did, how did this go? I don't. Where? What? First this, memory. You ask about my first memory. That's that's about the first. Of what? That you actually rode in Hyde Park in your diapers? You mean, or you met? You... I saw the picture of me in Hyde Park. Right. They told me that I got, I ran around and got very sick, and I recall being in my crib. And hallucinating with a witch and a bunch of elves dancing around in the in the middle of the room. Your first memory is them telling you that this happened. No, my first memory is the hallucination. Are you following this? Or? You were just a baby in diapers, and you you hallucinated about a witch and stuff. And you're yes. how, how would you even know what the hell a witch is when you're one and a half years old? Because. You see this female with a pointed hat. You were hallucinating because you had fever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one and a half years old, you're saying, is your very first... Uh, You know, I I was still in diapers, so I don't know, like one and a half, two... And now you're 70 what? 72. (laughs) So you you have a 70-year-old memory in your bank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can remember... uh, at around three or four, being with uh, uh, babysitters. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on. It did whenever you touched it. All that feedback that I'm getting in my right ear right now, that's a... Pause it. edit this part out. When I was four years old, uh, lived on a ma- farm in Markham Road, right on Markham Road, south of the 401. Markham Road was gravel. South, uh, south of the 401 on Markham Road, and it was gravel. Yeah, right, right around where Tuxedo Court is then. Okay. On the west side. So we would have drove up that today when we came yeah, back yeah. from biking. Yeah. That was up Markham Road. We would have driven right past that. But Markham Road, south of. Of the 401 is... By the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. South of the McDonald's. Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm? <laughs> Markham. Oh. I always get Markham and McCowan mixed up. Mm-hmm. Markham Road, south of the 401. Uh, Where the uh, keg is. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah. Keg is north. Then there's the McDonald's. And that was just south of McDonald's. That was a farm. It's ah. actually owned by a, started by a doctor, one of the first doctors of Scarborough. It was to me, it was like a mansion. It had a four-car garage with two apartments above for the servants. That's still that and, would be and, like a mansion today. And uh, in the house, every room had like a doorbell. You could push, and in the kitchen there was a thing that would show you what room they were in that, that pushed the button and mm. have to go run over. Yeah. Now, the people that, when I was there, they weren't those people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but they were, you know, well off. They, When they widened Markham Road, let that, here's the story. They paid something like $40,000 at that time for that farm 
and when they widened Markham Road, they got something like $40,000 for the strip of land they took across the front. So then the farm was free. And uh, I spent a summer there. That's where I got attacked by all the bees. Not the bees! That's yes. <laughs> Not the bees! Why did you get attacked by a bunch of bees? Well, if you, were, if you know that area, there's... It almost looks like a sewer now, storm sewer, but it was a creek back in the day, mm-hmm. and I could go swimming there. And you have to understand the the restrictions on a child back in those <laughs> yeah. days were what? almost non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if you could walk, you could go. Sure. So I was going to go swim in the creek, but to get to the creek, you had to go through where all the beehives were. Right. So as I was going through the beehives, I decided to step on a couple of the bees, and they made a nice crunchy noise I thought was kind of fun. You had shoes on. I had slippers on and uh, and a bathing suit. That's it. This is where you get your wildness from, and you're like, can't sit still. Like, what? Oh, I'm going to go walk across this place and step in some bees, sure. <laughs> well, I did I did one hive, and then I went over to the other hive, and I did it again. <clears throat> And then all the bees decided to get even, and they all came after me. And uh, luckily, the guy that owned the farm, Mr. Strook, heard me and understood what was going on. He grabbed the sheet off the line and uh, came running down and wrapped me in the sheet and took me back into the house. But I had I had bee stings everywhere. The funny thing is, it I didn't have any like reaction. There was no swelling. There was no... Right. So I don't know. Maybe I developed an immunity or these something. wasps or or bees. No honeybees. Honey honeybees. Oh, yeah. They leave the stinger. Yeah, they died. It was a bumblebee? No. No. Well, I don't know about bumblebees, but these were honeybees because they were in the honey hive. You know, like where they. What do you think most people would do today if they were just sort of out in their backyard and they heard some kids screaming? Would they yank a line off the? Uh, would they would they yank yank a what did you call it a sheet off the line and go wrap around the kid or would they say like no that's none of my business if I can't go over there and you know get involved because I could be wrongly accused or charged or something like I guess it would depend on the person wouldn't it I suppose just uh, one of those things you want to say something else yeah well we're sharing this mic so. Uh, I think that's a good intro. You got a taste of them. We have some questions uh, lined up here as well. There's a TikTok video out there with seven questions you should ask your parents. Uh, so yeah, we don't have to rattle through them like bang, bang, bang. So if he asks you a question, are you obligated to answer truthfully as well? Yeah, why not? Okay. All right. Uh, this one <laughs> might be funny. What was the first year of fatherhood like? <laughs> you know, that was so long ago. I don't know if I can really You remember, remember when you were a year and a half. <laughs> we just proved <laughs> your memory. Like, just uh, it. I remember working like a dog, trying to pay off the mortgage and everything else. I, actually, let's see. Were you there for the birth? Um, who was that, Adam? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, Did I you cut there. the cord? No. No. What happened with Adam was uh, 
Um, she, uh, you know, because we didn't really, the first child, we don't really know what to expect. Sure. So uh, we went into the hospital at something like four in the afternoon. And uh, nothing much happened. And uh, then uh, the nurse, there wasn't even a doctor around. Around midnight, the nurse says to me that I should go home because she hasn't dilated and, you know, nothing's going to happen till the morning and blah, blah, blah. She's just having Braxton Hicks or something like that or... I don't know. So, so I got in the car, and I always remember the song that was playing on the car was The Clash, and it was "Should I Stay or Should I Go?" <laughs> and it's like, how do how do they know? You know, how how does this music know to come out with something like that? So I went home, and I got in bed, and I think I got an hour of sleep, and I got a phone call saying, "No, she wants you back." So I got dressed again, went back to the hospital. And my wife was not very physical. She she didn't really, she didn't have a physical awareness of her body and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to explain. But um, anyway, she she was having trouble making the delivery, and uh, eventually the doctor showed up and they used forceps on him. And when they pulled him out. He was blue. I was ready for everything else, but I wasn't ready for a Smurf. Wow. And uh, so then uh, when they did the forceps, they bruised him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and part of the reason, when, when he was coming out, the cord was kind of wrapped around his neck. And when I was a kid, one of my neighbors had a child who had the cord wrapped around his neck, and he had some disabilities caused by that so Mm -hmm. it kind of scared me but turned out other than that you know my first adam was okay but uh the blue did scare the shit out of me Mm -hmm. so then uh um back in those days they used to have like the nursery and they'd have all the babies in the different cribs or whatever and uh I remember standing there at the back, and Adam was very big because Penny had gestational diabetes, and and he was um, like over ten pounds or around ten pounds. That's and, big. And uh, he's the biggest kid in the nursery. <laughs> and I was standing back there, and they, they, all these other parents, fathers, were looking. And I remember one saying, you know, "Look at that guy; he's so big." But He's all beat up. I said, which one of those little buggers did that to him? <laughs> so I didn't say anything. <laughs> but uh, I think he had jaundice too, so that was a bit of a learning curve. <clears throat> and that was about it. Then then uh, we went home, and Penny wasn't working, and I, I was, and trying to pay all the bills. I remember I ran up the credit cards, and then... Uh, was this all part of your plan, though? Like, okay, we're going to get married, we're going to have kids within two years, or... Oh, no, no. Uh, what happened was uh, we were married eight years before Adam came around, and uh, we didn't, you know, we would have liked to have children, but it just didn't seem to be happening. Okay. And we figured, well, okay, we could go for all those tests and junk, or we could just accept the inevitable and 
and we'll be one of those couples that buys new cars every two years and <laughs> has vacations twice a year and you no know, kids. And then as soon and, as you thought you couldn't, you could. Yeah. Yeah. That happens yeah. a lot to people. Yeah. She uh, she phoned me up all in tears because she'd been not feeling well. And I, I, my biggest fear was she had cancer or something. And she... Uh, she was pregnant. Yeah. She told me she was pregnant. I said, so why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> well, the tears of joy. <laughs> so anyway. So, uh, yeah. You know, she stayed home and... Uh, and uh, we ran up the bills. And then I always remember Canada Trust had a sale, a loan sale. So I uh, went in and got a loan to consolidate all our debts and uh, paid it off. And everything was cool. And because it took eight years for the first one, we didn't know that the second one would pop up in a year and a half. And that was Dan. <laughs> and... Uh, Dan turned out to be a C-section. Okay. And uh, that... Planned C-section or there was complications, so they had to do a C-section? I think because something about... I can't quite remember, but it wasn't it wasn't the plan. No, it was just, okay, we're going to do a C-section. Okay. Hmm. And which has some benefits because I didn't have to spend 16 hours holding her hand right. in labor. Were you a C-section? No, huh? no, that, that's kind of unusual. The, the, the <clears throat> story is if you had a C-section, you're always going to have C-sections, but he's an exception. But and, every kid was bigger. And like the he's the biggest thickens. of the bunch. <laughs> but the, I have to admit, the other two were kind of, they were big, but they looked like f sacks of fluid. You know what I mean? They weren't solid. Yeah. And he was solid. And the other thing about Dan or Dan Alex was uh, when he came out, he actually looked around. He was he was scoping the room. Out. <laughs> what fuckery can I get into? <laughs> right as soon as he gets out. All right, I'm in this world now. What am I going to do to it? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I love it. He, it was like he was conscious. He, you know, he, he, he was got, elevated from the moment he got here. <laughs> the moment I got off the phone. Oh, my God. That's so, yeah, I, I guess I was there for all three. Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't cut any cords that I can recall. Oh, I remember the... Did you uh, keep the placenta? Your mother kept the belly button thingy. Yeah. Yeah, the placenta, no? No. No. It was the umbilical cord. Yeah, that's out of your belly button. A little nub. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the Penny had the C-section, the doctor had uh, just come back from Dominican, and uh, they had her on the table, and what they they put like a screen so she can't see what's going on. But yeah. I was standing off to the side, and I could see. I mean, they cut her open. You're supposed to be up at the head, so you don't see either. You don't want to see. I that. was at the side. I saw oh, it all. Man. And uh, they 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 cut her open. They plopped her, I guess, gallbladder or stomach or something. Oh. It was about the size of the small football, so maybe that was the stomach. I don't know. Anyway, they plopped that out, got the kid out, and they're doing their work. And I'm talking to the doctor who just came back from Dominican, and I said something about. 
you know, how was the seafood and stuff like that. And he said he, he didn't like it. And then Penny said, would you guys stop talking? I'm, I'm about food. I'm really hungry. And I looked and I said, no wonder why she's hungry. Everything's been taken out of her. I didn't tell her that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was uh, that was Dan. And uh, it, uh, I don't remember what song was playing for him. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the three boys. And then uh, with the second one, uh, I ran up the credit cards again. And damned if uh, Canada Trust didn't or Canada Perm didn't have what they called the loan sale again. So I went in to consolidate my debt and I heard, uh, I listened to some guy in a suit with cowboy boots tell me that I didn't qualify for the loan because I had just done, the last one I had done was to consolidate my debts and I obviously didn't learn my lesson and I had to do it again. No concept of why or how. So uh, I did some business with them. I think I had a mortgage or whatever. And I remember telling the guy that what I heard was that he didn't want my business. And he tried to say, no, that's not true. And I said, too bad. And I remember taking all my business away from them as quickly as I could, which I tended to do a couple of times when I disagreed with the financial institution I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And what else? Oh, all right. Time for another question then. Uh, yeah, I'm taking a back seat here. I'm happy to just ask, ride out this cookie wave. Uh, but your proudest moment of, I don't know, all the sons or any of the sons, do your bit. Oh, man. Put me on the spot. Yeah. All right, well, I'll fill some of the void. <laughs> I've always thought of Dad like uh, a little bit like Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny and Danny DeVito-esque. Like epic in his own ways. I kind of like the time you got in trouble for... Uh, you got in trouble for uh, the guy that had to kiss the toilet in school. He gets going right to the heart. He, right to the heart. He, he he had some. His version of the story was that I've heard it too. That, uh, <laughs> he was playing badminton with a mouthy kid, and the rest of the class uh, somehow made the mouthy kid bet that if he didn't win the badminton, he'd have to kiss the toilet. And of course, he lost, and he had to kiss the toilet. Yeah. Alex was totally innocent, had nothing to do with it except that he beat him in the badminton. So anyway, they got dragged into some, because it was boys and they they had a female teacher, they had to wait to get a male teacher in there because it was in the dressing room. And then I ended up getting called in about this. And I remember sitting there with the vice principal and for some reason, she started, oh, it's something about peer pressure, maybe, or something. And uh, she started to tell the story about her son and his friends who were up on the roof of a school and had a contest to see who could spit the farthest off the roof. 
and the one kid ran to the edge to spit and, and didn't off. stop. Oh, Jesus. So uh, I'm listening to this, and, you know, I'm really getting tired of it. So I asked her, uh, did he win? And uh, that ended the conversation, and I got out of there real quick after that. <laughs> I was quite happy with that. the results. <laughs> Dad's a big fan of Scent of a Woman. <laughs> who uh? Scent of a Woman. Why? Who uh? The movie, yeah. Hoorah! 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 But yeah, because he stands up to the educational institution. Uh, oh, I no, I, I. Maybe you are a rabble rouser. Well, because 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 my parents were immigrants and were were so busy trying to establish them, I had a, a streak of independence. I had, you know, it was forced on me, and I just, I, and I didn't mind it. I, I was kind of comfortable with it. And uh, I remember at one point, probably in my early teenage years, or maybe even before that, I was angry because my father wouldn't be around because he, he worked two or three jobs. And uh, then when he did come around, I wished he would go back to work because. I didn't need him anymore. I mm. was I was more independent. I, you know, he'd come in and try and tell me what to do, and I want to tell him where to go. Right. And 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 you know, I guess we were both right. He wanted to <clears throat> try and and fill a, you know be the role, but by that time I didn't need the role. But uh, and that that has stuck with me a lot. Like if if somebody doesn't tell if somebody doesn't tell me the right way to do something my initial reaction is to say no I'm not doing it that way and it it takes a special person to get me to cooperate I have run into a couple of people like that um, I worked for a guy that was really good that way and uh, I've worked for a lot of people that were not that way so I can kind of know the difference, but it's just. Uh, and when did he pass, your father? When did he pass? Yeah. Um, right, two days after they pulled the plug. <laughs> <laughs> two days. <laughs> Holy, yeah. God. he held on to the very end. Wow. No, when? How old was I then? God. Was it two thousand and one? It was just uh, prior to nine uh, eleven. Just before nine eleven. And how old was he? Um, old. How old are you? I don't know. <laughs> you know, 2011, I would have been... Uh, no, 2001. 2001, and I was 50. Um, I'm not really good with dates and shit, you know, like, I, I kind of go day by day, and, and the actual date doesn't really stick in my mind that much. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, how old was my mother when she died? I don't know. She died just before Halloween. I remember that. Right. Um, uh, Yeah, just... When I was in school and they they taught history, I hated it. You know, because it was dates. What year was Magna Carta? What year was this? What year... I'd rather pay more attention to the flow of events... Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm more interested in the fact that the French, the Normans, invaded England 
and that's why you have a lot of, uh, uh, like I have a friend, his name is uh, Al Maynard, and I'm thinking that's not really his, you know, the, the root of that name is probably Menard. Right. And it probably comes from the Normans, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm more interested in that kind of flow than I am. What year was it that the Normans came over? It was mm-hmm. a long time ago, you know, like, yeah. you know, more than the three days ago. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure things were that well documented back then. So how could you actually pinpoint it? Like 1492 Columbus sailed. Okay, well, they tell us that, and and we just take it as face value. Okay, it was 1492, but it could have been 1491. I'm surprised that was your answer, though. What? About what you said. About? The the proudest moment was that, really? Not like the hole-in-one or something? I wasn't there for the (laughs) hole-in-one. True. And, and when oh, I, I thought you meant he got a hold in one. I'm like, how can you not be there for your own hole in one? No, at one point we put Alex into a golf camp, golf school camp, whatever. Um, golf up, camp, yeah. Up at Fox Run. And it was like a little nine hole, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, like 12. Anyway, yeah. And uh, the, the, the drill was he'd go there and they would do the driving range in the morning and then the afternoon they would go go golf on the holes well this day it looked like it was going to rain so they did it opposite and they went to the went to the golf during the day and he hit with a seven iron 143 yards no, 124. 124 yards he got a hole in one and i was you know i i used to golf Primarily because I, it came with the job. I, I got invited to golf, and I just said, yeah, why not? Day off work, I'll go golf. Yeah. And I get a prize and a meal and all that. <clears throat> and uh, So anyway, I was like ecstatic. You got a hole-in-one, you know, like uh, these guys golf their whole lives and never get a hole-in-one. And he's like, eh, it's no big deal, no big deal. <laughs> and then we went to... How uh, old were you? Nine, ten. And uh, we went to uh, Buffalo. We were in the Galleria, and they had the sports memorabilia store. <coughs> and they had a little plastic box that you could hold your golf ball in. So I said to the guy, I'd like to get that for him because he had a hole-in-one. And they said, oh, well, here. And I just gave it to him. But I thought... I guess I was proud not so much of of my sons as I was of myself that I stood up. <laughs> I, I see that. I hear that. That's why I had to ask. That you I mean, stood up. Yeah, you pushed back on the principal. Oh, Some yeah. Parents would be like, "Oh, fuck!" Like, and that that I, I'm not going into other times, but there were other <laughs> times that were just as just as uh, actually more demanding. As time went on, the, the events were, <clears throat> the potential downsides were more serious. And, uh, oh, that shit's still going on today. Well, it's, uh, you know, you just have to be careful. It's like me when I grew up with all my independence, I made a lot of mistakes. Sure. And uh, I'm just lucky. I, a significant number of my friends and associates ended up in jail. Mm. And uh, I did not. And that's almost partly luck. When uh, when our kids were younger, we were at a, a 
birthday party. And, uh, you know, the dads are kind of standing around. It's a Saturday afternoon. You don't really want to be there. So just talking. And uh, one of them, who was my age, said that when when his father was 11. Yeah. And his dad, when he was 11. So this would be this guy's grandfather. And his dad. So you're going back. Great-grandfather. When his great-grandfather was 11, he could leave their house, walk three kilometers across a field, and there was a river. Yeah. And he could cross the river yeah. and then set up a camp and a fire and stay the night at 11. Oh, yeah. When his father, like his his son comes, so now yeah. we're talking this guy's grandfather, he was only allowed to go to, to the uh, river. He couldn't cross it. <laughs> and then the next son, he he was only allowed to like get halfway through the field, and then you couldn't get out into the backyard. Like, hey, you're in the backyard, but don't. And now you can't even go into the backyard unless your parents are sitting out there watching you. I know well. it, it, it gets more and more restrictive. <laughs> I, uh, oops. At five years old, I I remember riding my tricycle. From college, like we lived in Lansdowne near college, and the next block up was big block up was Bloor Street, and I rode my tricycle in my bathing suit with a towel wrapped around my neck like I was Superman <laughs> up to Bloor Street, unsupervised, nobody else, just doing it on my own, you know, going around the block, and you know. No adults looked at you and was like, Sir, "Hey, little boy, where's where's your family? Where's your?" <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, when I was uh, sixteen, I was working delivering groceries on a bicycle, and uh, Saturdays was the busy day, and uh, I went. Uh... So you were like Uber Eats. Hmm? You were like Uber Eats. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, before that, I did a paper route. Um, so anyway, I, I, I did the, delivered the groceries. And for lunch, I went to a restaurant at Bloor and Lansdowne. And it turned out one of my neighbors, the husband, saw me. And uh, commented to his wife that they almost got into a big fight over whether I should be in the restaurant having lunch or not you were 16 yeah uh or probably 15 because by six i was saving up my money so that at 16 i could go to expo in 67 oh and and that was my first trip away from home without parents and it was a 20 dollar trip 20 dollars on the train 20 dollars a day you went by yourself to Expo at 16 years old? Two friends. Yeah. Also like 16. See, that would never happen today. Yeah, well. And we had a ball. <laughs> just, a, just a great time. Um, what are six, two, well, sorry, three 16-year-old kids doing in Montreal during Expo? You're not drinking. Yeah. You were drinking. Oh, yeah. I went to the, <coughs> went to the Cuban... Uh, <clears throat> uh, went to the Cuban... Uh, pavilion restaurant and i remember we were sitting with this guy who looked like daddy warbucks he had a pink sweater bald big diamond pinky on the ring on pinky ring and uh he we shared the table with him and uh i forget what i ordered but then i said i like a beer 
And the waiter looked at me. I guess the age in Montreal was 18. Right. And he says, uh, you're not 18, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, we don't care. <laughs> okay. I got my beer. <laughs> <coughs> but uh, That's yeah. like a two-week thing, though, right? You were there for two weeks? or just... One week, one week. You went for a week. But the... I was the go train was or the go train the whatever you call Via. the train Via, Via was uh, twenty bucks, and we went to the dining car, and they gave you a roast beef on a plate. The ro the beef was the plate, and then the potatoes and the peas were put onto the meat. It was just a fantastic meal. I can't remember what it cost, but it was, you know, obviously cheap compared to what you pay nowadays. Well, if the train ride was 20 bucks, then that couldn't have been more yeah, than... Four bucks. Yeah. And uh, we stayed in a house. These people were uh, cashing in on Expo, so they had converted their living room and put in, like, three bunk beds, <laughs> you know, roll-out beds. And I think we paid 20 bucks. I forget if it was a day or a week for that. And it was close to the... To the uh, Expo grounds, and off we went. We, we just had a ball. the The thing with Expo was you got a passport, and every country you went to, you were supposed to get a stamp. Mm -hmm. Well, we were finding ways to circumvent the lineups. So uh, one place was, I think it was Thailand or something. They had a like a, a, a circumvent the lineups. <laughs> <laughs> Way over a fence. Well, it's, it's uh, just we we did it politely. <laughs> <Ta -da! laughs> so so uh, I think it was Thailand. They had something like a garage, you know, maybe like a size of a double garage, and they had one door on one end and another door at the other, and you were supposed to go in one end and come out the other. So uh, we didn't like the lineup on the way in, so we walked in backwards through the outway. And until uh, we got right there, and then we turned around and went in, did a quick boot, look around, got our stamp, and out we went. But I remember looking back at it, and here's this garage with two lines going in, <laughs> and hardly anybody coming out. I figured it wasn't going to last long. But, uh, yeah, that's what we did, uh, you know, just running around trying to find things to to uh, rock the boat. So does he know about your, your zoo excursion? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. So when he told you that this happened, were you like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Are you like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no harm, no foul. <laughs> All right. I mean, what are you, what are you gonna do, man? You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta stretch. You gotta, you, you you gotta. If you don't, what are you doing? You know, like you're not living. <laughs> man, I mean, you know, you're not hurting anybody. <clears throat> you're not getting. You know, you're not. You're not. Uh, no maliciousness. This is all very telling. Very telling. <laughs> Well, it's, you cannot make people do what you want. You can only give them some guidance and let them loose, let them go do what they want to do. And, and 
if it's not harmful, then it's not harmful. And it's part of the learning experience. I, I can't tell you how to live. I can't tell you what to do. And uh, even if I tried, even if I, if, even if I did, and you followed my instructions to the letter, they could all be wrong anyway. But but there's a line. Like if he was to go out and and kill somebody, whether it's by purpose or accident, you'd be. That's a different story, right? You'd be yeah. you'd be unhappy. You'd be uh, unhappy. Yeah, yeah, I would be right. I would be devastated. So because in this case nobody got harmed, it was just like you know, sheer stupidness or whatever. It was fine. No, it, it was it was young guys. Seeing... Dad to the rescue. This is why I always called dad if I got trouble at school. Yeah, it's, it's it's. How old were you at the time? What? When the zoo? The zoo excursion. Twenty-two. All right, so they're not calling your parents anyway. You're an adult. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I mean, I heard I heard about it, right. and it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, good thing the bear couldn't get at you. <laughs> Or the, or the wolves. What if it went the other way, though? What if they said, okay, no, we're going to charge you, and you'd spend five years in jail? You'd be like, what the fuck no, are you thinking? No, it's you, trespassing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, well, I don't know, but let's just say something hey, happened. I just told you, I, a significant number of my friends ended up in jail. That's true. It, was, it wasn't for trespassing at the zoo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well. Okay. Well, so explain that a little bit more, then. Get into that a little bit. What? What, what my well, friends you, did? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. No, I don't think I want to get into that too much. I'll, I'll tell you about the guy that, that killed himself. Okay, so so that's the story you're going that, to that would, that would That would be significant. And, yeah. and you talk about Molly. He was into the MDA and uh, um, got involved in some kind of cult thing about going to different planes. And uh, Here in Toronto, you're saying? This yeah. Yeah. So he went to the ER in St. Joseph's uh, Hospital down in the down by the lake, and uh, he jumped a cop and grabbed the gun out of the holster, and then shot himself. Oh my God! And uh, that's a guy that I grew up with, and I respected a lot. We went to Boy Scouts together, right? Ukrainian Boy Scouts. And uh, what does that mean? Meant that we were Ukrainians, Boy Scouts. They had a division of Boy Scouts just for the Ukrainians, you mean? Yeah, pretty much. Why wouldn't they just mix in with everybody else? Huh? Why wouldn't you just go to the regular Boy Scouts of Canada or whatever? Like, where well, we were Boy Scouts of Canada. It just so happened that this yeah, was yeah. run out of a Ukrainian church, and it was all Ukrainian oh. kids. Wow. And um, I didn't really want to be there. And I thought he didn't want to be there. And it got to a point where um, we had to vote whether he could stay or not. Who? My friend. Oh. Billy. Stay in the, in the in Boy the, why? Scouts? Why? What did he do to piss off the Boy Scouts? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, just <laughs> rock the boat. He, and... he rocked the boat. <laughs> as, as previously discussed. Oh, wait, I'll tell you, tell you the story about when we went camping. But anyway... Uh, it was, a, you know, who wants Billy to stay? Who wants Billy to go? I, I voted for him to go. Years later, he asked me, he said, why did you vote me to go? And I said, well, I thought you wanted it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he didn't really have an answer for that. But uh, anyway, he... Uh, 
And what happened to him? He got depressed, you mean, or he, he was on drugs? Well, we hung around. We, there was there was a bunch of us, not just Ukrainians now. Um, <laughs> there was Italians and Greeks and, and whatnot. And, uh, but basically all young guys um, at ends of, with themselves. And uh, we hung around the pool hall. And uh, in the neighborhood, we were called the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, the boys are here, the boys are there. So when that song came out, you know, the boys are back in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, don't tell me. <laughs> <coughs> so, uh, um, so he was, you know, we were all part of that gang. And then we got into marijuana and got a, a, a room at the uh, Rochdale. And uh, had visions of uh, who knows what. You it's know? interesting that you say a gang. Like, would you ever say that you belong to a gang? You have a you have a a close group of friends that you kind of hang out with, and you call them your friends. But what makes We're the a gang? Squad. We're the Rune Squad. What makes a gang? A collection of to, to be to be honest to to be honest, um, we didn't call ourselves a gang. But other people from the outside looking at us would call us a gang. But, you know, like... Did who... you have vests? No. <laughs> no, we didn't have vests. We, you know, did, did you we have a sign? Le- huh? Did you have a special sign, like a, a special handshake or a... No. Oh, okay. No. You were either cool or you weren't. And uh, you were either, you know, one of the, one of the boys or you were not. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, sometimes it got physical. Some 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 of the guys were more physical than others. I was not a physical guy, but um, <laughs> I always remember Billy. He he had a reputation for being a fighter, and uh, he he'd walk up to a kid and put his arm around him, and the kid would have a bag of chips, and he'd pull some chips out and go, "What's that?" And the kid would go, <laughs> and he'd eat the chips. I go, what do you mean, what's that? Like, what kind of line is that? What's that? What's that? But he also, it was like guns, gunslingers. Like, uh, um, I talked to one of, one of my bosses at the bank came from Paris, Ontario, and he couldn't quite understand Toronto. Every day he came in? From... No, no, he, he oh. grew up there. Ah. Um so anyway, he uh, he couldn't quite understand Toronto, and I said, "Well, Toronto's just like a bunch of little cities. That's all. They're all together, mm-hmm. you know. So you have this neighborhood and that neighborhood." And so Bill was sort of uh, had a reputation for being a fighter. I remember being in the pool hall, and some guy showed up and says, uh, "You, Bill? Yeah, I'm gonna fight you. I'm gonna beat you up." And then they went at it tooth and nail, and. <laughs> The old guy that owned the pool hall was like, boys, boys, don't bleed on the table. Uh-huh. Don't bleed on the table. <laughs> Didn't care that there was going to be a fight. You know, just don't bleed on the table. Don't hurt the felt. Sounds a lot So like anyway, PBI. that was Bill. And uh, then I kind of lost touch with him, although I did uh, run into him on the subway once with uh, Penny. And uh, I invited him to come up to wherever we were. And he... Uh, declined and said I should go to wherever he was and I declined and then the next thing I heard was uh, he, he actually got written up in the sun by that Bonikowski you remember him no 
Mark, I mean, it was Mark Bonikowski used to write um, articles in the Sun. Did a whole page on Billy. And uh, whatever happened to that cop? I wonder. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, oh my God, what's going on? Somebody grabbed me. Oh, oh my God, my gun. And then bang. Yeah. And it's not me. It's somebody else. It's like yeah. Uh, that hardened the guy real quick. I'm sure. Well, they say that, um, like, when you're in war with with your mates, your buddies, and stuff like that, and one of them gets shot and killed in front of you, yeah, you would automatically think you'd feel sorry. But apparently, the psychological reaction is like, "I'm thank God that wasn't me." Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, that's you know that's <clears throat> perfect human nature. Wow. <laughs> I mean. We are all kind of egotistical that way, or you know, like self-preservation. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, anyway, I was, I was, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I've always regretted that I didn't spend more attention with Bill that time. I mean, you know, I don't know that I could have made a difference in in what happened, but. Um, you just wonder, you know, like maybe I should have said, Hey, I'll come and see you or, you know, but I was wrapped up in my world. He was wrapped up in his world and too bad, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, some of the guys, uh, one of the guys ran a uh, pizza joint with the, did gambling and whoring and got busted and. Another guy got caught with a trunk full of marijuana in his in his car, and you know, just so this Boy Scout thing doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's be prepared. <laughs> All right, what are the best and worst parts of getting older? What are the best and worst? I guess the worst is uh, watching your body deteriorate and uh, wondering where all the energy went. I remember my father saying uh, he couldn't believe that he, uh, you know, had a house and built a cottage and raised three boys, and he's like doing that and working at two jobs and wondering uh, where the hell, you know, did he get the energy for that? I think it was you. Where uh, uh, something about the energy came up, and he uh, he uh, at, I forget the story now, but it, it was, and that's probably one of the bad things about getting old. <laughs> you can't remember anything. <laughs> I can't remember why I came in this room, but I can remember what I did at four years exactly. old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess the memory banks get filled. <laughs> No, it's, uh, I guess the good thing is that my life is settled and that I managed to put myself in a position that I don't have, I don't have any stress per se. Yeah. You know, the the house is paid for, the bills are paid for, uh, I, you know, I get my days off and my days of working are like going to play pool or poker, you know, so it's, uh. It's, it's, um, 
compared to what I had when I worked, and I had all kinds of demands on me, and uh, you know, I, I I lived almost to the minute. You know, like I would uh, I would know that I would be into work around five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, and I would uh, know what should have happened overnight. And uh, if it didn't, then I knew I had a problem and it had to be fixed. And then I knew that you know something else had to happen by noon or by five. And did you just say that you would be in the office by five thirty? Yeah. Why? Because. Because I was driven, yeah. The place was a 24-hour shop, five days a week. Like, good luck today getting anybody to come in at 5 a.m. and leave at 5 p.m. and that kind of thing. Like, Oh, there was, uh, there was a job before I, had the, I worked at the bank. I worked at this place called KG Campbell, and, I, and it was a mess. I was cleaning up from basically crooks, and uh, I would be in there before the day shift started and I would leave after the night shift left hmm. and uh, I mean it just well, maybe some... that's why you don't have any energy now because you spent it all when you were younger yeah and, and for years I survived on four hours sleep oh my god um, but uh, yeah it, it, I, I had a lot of demands that way I mean even when uh, when I was a kid, I went to work at uh, Dempster's Bakery because uh, it was mostly Ukrainians. <laughs> well, that's just the way it is. <clears throat> and uh, I had to be in at 11 o'clock at night, and I worked till 9 o'clock in the day, in the morning. And then there's some weird thing on Saturdays or Sundays where I kind of had to do two shifts. Anyway, I went two weeks without sleep. I just could not sleep. I would go home. I would lay in the in the basement, and I would pray to go to sleep, and I couldn't sleep. And uh, one time I did, and my father came home from work and woke me up and asked me what was new. <laughs> oh, God. I said, what was new is I got the fucking sleep. That's why. <laughs> so anyway, after two weeks, I quit. <clears throat> I don't think you could have gone much longer than that. You need sleep. Well, I couldn't because what happened was uh, I was laying there at, at like 7 at night thinking, well, I better make some sandwiches to take into work. And next thing I woke up, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And I phoned and apologized for that and said I'd be back the next day. And I think I did make it one more day. And then I did it again. So I just phoned the guy and said, look, you know, I'm tired of apologizing. I'm not doing that. I quit at something like 3 in the morning and one of my previous jobs had been working for the parking authority. By 7 o'clock in the morning, that same morning, I had a job with the parking authority. That's how good it was back in those days. Right. But, you know, they like, they like, the parking authority liked kids because they weren't unionized so they could use them for $3 an hour instead of the union guys at $10 an hour or whatever. And... So I worked a lot there, too. Yes. And you've been a bachelor now for how many years? <laughs> uh, since uh, 2019. So four years? Yeah. And how do you think that plays into your life right now? Like, if you were retired and still married, and your life wouldn't be the same as it is right now. <clears throat> so this... 
Well, I mean, who who can say? <laughs> well, you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have all the the work stress and stuff like that. I I understand, but your life would be a little bit different. Like you'd be still probably taking trips and stuff with your wife, right? Who can say? Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, how do I put it? My wife was very independent, and I, I encouraged that. Um, um, what she did with that independence, I often didn't find out until after she died. And uh, so I, I don't really know what would have happened. I know that her her uh, actions kind of contributed to the stress that caused her to die. Mm. So you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, what would you do if you hadn't met Lorena? You know, like yeah, hard to say. Yeah, you never know. Um, it's, uh, I know that when we were together, we had a lot of fun and with a lot of action. She was a very, um, um, um active person. Uh, 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 she was very, uh, social mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> she had things in mind that she wanted to do and she figured out ways to do it. Um, would you allow or, or accept a woman into your life now? Not likely. And I don't mean like live together or get married, any of that stuff, but just somebody that comes into your life and, you know, you, you have a little bit of companionship. Doesn't have to be a steady girlfriend or something. I have a couple of those. Oh, (laughs) all right. I have a massage gal. I have a barber gal. I have a uh, pedicure gal. I have uh, a friend from... Uh, but these are people you see when you go to get these services done. Yes. I'm not. I'm talking about like somebody that comes over to your house and you have dinner with once in a while and Nobody you go to see a movie. Nobody comes over to my house. Right. Yeah. I'm saying, would you accept that if that was to happen today? No, because my house is too dirty. <laughs> 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 I, have, I have friends... Beyond the, those are, I call those my indulgences. All right, I indulge myself by getting my pedicure. I indulge myself <laughs> by getting a massage. Um, the you know the haircut isn't quite an indulgence, but I I you know it's a necessity. Like, yeah, but, you know I, the, there are things that 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 I get done, uh, and I interact with other people. There is a woman that I've been close to. Actually, uh, when I broke my ankle, she uh, she took me to the or she pushed me around at the hospital to the point that they thought she was my wife. Hmm. Um, but she's out in Belleville now, uh, talking about moving back home or back into Durham. Um, I have a real estate agent friend um, who uh, was actually Penny's close friend, and she became my close friend. But, uh, you know, we go to lunch periodically mm-hmm. or have a mani-pedi. Um, haven't seen her in a while, but, you know, it's. she called up the other day or texted me the other day wondering where to get pastries. I'm like, 
gave her a suggestion. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen, you know, I can't remember exactly when we went out to lunch last, but it was a while ago. But, you know, it'll be whenever. Her birthday's coming up. I, uh, I'm getting better at dates because I put it in my phone. <laughs> and then I actually look. What's coming up? My brother's birthday's coming up. Which one? Bobble. November? October. Uh, I'm, I'm actually thinking of uh, taking a run up there and seeing him. I have. He lives up near where the cottage was, but the cottage is no longer a cottage. It's more like suburbia. In, in a school, and, and uh, um, but I haven't been there in years. It would be nice to kind of go up, see him, and check out the old neighborhood. Just, but I'm sure it's not the old neighborhood. But uh, did you do uh, Airbnb or something while you're there? Yeah, I wouldn't have to. It's only in Barry, not even Barry. So you would drive up and come back the same day. Yeah, I could do that, or I could stay with him. I don't know. Yeah, sleep on the couch. Sleep in the car. Who knows? Sleep in the car. <laughs> this just keeps getting it's closer and closer. What? Alex basically lives out of his car. Like he's getting... <laughs> oh, constant motion. <laughs> you have another question you want to ask her? Yeah, sure. Um What's the nicest thing I've ever done for you? Uh, probably the celebration for my 72nd birthday. And the uh, <clears throat> the big card you made and the, all the hullabaloo you made. Which was how long ago? Uh, In August. August 2nd. Uh, <laughs> oh, just this last one you said. <laughs> Well, it, it was a really nice thing to it do. It took you seventy-two years. I think, <laughs> I think, I think what it did is it, it it put me on the map with a lot of the people there. They don't really they don't really say a lot, but I kind of notice a difference in their their treatment of me. Oh, um, the, their acceptance of me or whatever. They're, they're They'll respect. never hear this podcast, by the way. So, well, it doesn't matter. No. I'm not saying anything that I yeah. if I didn't want. <clears throat> One of the reasons I'm not on Facebook is because of my juvenile delinquent background <laughs> that I don't want any evidence. If I don't want evidence, I don't want pictures. I don't want, you know, like it's just I'm not going to say anything if I don't want to say it. What was the worst thing you ever did? Like this is a pretty <clears throat> severe. No, I don't. I, uh, I'm not getting in there. Oh, come on. But what do you mean the worst thing you've ever And like in your life, the worst thing you've ever well, done? Well, like this, I'm afraid of. <clears throat> attention here by having a Facebook like what what would you have done that was that did anyone die and you say a delinquent like childhood you're saying there wouldn't be any pictures from back then that people are going to post on Facebook today correct okay but my 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 background says no evidence don't don't leave any evidence <laughs> Don't brag about shit. Don't. Oh, don't, I see. You know, like loose lips sink ships, and uh, and and everything else. You know, it, it just there's a there's an inherent wall 
of self-preservation there that says you don't really need to let anybody know about that. You think that's is the Ukrainian background? No. No. It's your parents the way you were raised? No. This is just you. Yeah. Well, it's it's the environment I was in. And and the people I grew up with and the people who ended up making mistakes and ending up in jail and and um you know like like my friend Bill got caught stealing cars and got charged with 13 car thefts and he killed himself though yes and he was at the point where he started to make connections with people that you steal a car here in toronto give it to us we take it to montreal and we give you good money for it Mm. before that it was just joyriding and he ended up in st john's and uh, st john's newfoundland St. John's Reformatory. <clears throat> Here in Ontario, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere up north. Okay. Out in the boonies. And uh, and uh, even with his reputation of fighting, as and he was a good fighter, he was a big boy, he, uh, he um, escaped and came back down and, and talked about it and said, yeah, there's tougher guys up there than me and uh, he uh, he lasted a little while then he got caught and sent back but uh, do you have any idea what it was that set him off that night that he went and jumped the cop no no not at all Uh, other than what the art what the newspaper said about Monikowski like Essentially, it was back when the culty thing was going on, and uh, I know he did a lot of dope, and uh, he was kind of screwed up. Um, so but, it was mental, then. like he wasn't trying to get away from bad debts or the mob or something like he, oh, he no, had mental no, issues. Oh no, 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 it was it was mental. It yeah. was like uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure if I had to guess, I would say that he was disappointed with his life and had his head full of this idea that he could go to a new plane and start over again and uh, that in combination with the drugs uh, just made him believe he could do that maybe he had a little bit of schizophrenia in him or something too that was never diagnosed like well i remember when when we were hanging around uh they opened uh like a or bipolar, or what something. they called a drop-in center at the school at Bloor Collegiate, and uh, they had these like social worker, young social worker, university kids or whatever. And uh, I got talking to one. I think her name was Heather, and got talking about Bill once, and she th- said that Bill was was uh, very paranoid, hmm. and uh, you know I didn't really realize or recognize that as a concept but um maybe he was uh, i don't know um i just think it was a a, he had a lot of potential and it kind of went down the drain i he at one point he was taking like taekwondo or judo you know like some martial arts and he was saying how the uh what do you call the guy sensei yeah, the sensei was uh, very, very positive about him and wanted to 
you know, he said, like, you don't worry about paying for it, you know, just come and I'll, I'll teach you. I want, I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, he didn't do that. And how old was he, did you say, when he did this? 18, was it? I'm going to guess, uh, like, 23, 24. 23, 24. But, you know, that kind of fits, though, because my second son, um, he developed mental illness, mental problems, and they didn't manifest themselves until he was in his 20s, or right. like just around 18, 19. And uh, that was very difficult. That was very tough. I remember going to school. They were complaining that he he was difficult or whatever. And I said, well, what makes you think he's any different than at home? You know, like, he's the same. And uh, I had already had a number of run-ins with him. And, and uh, I said, what I have told him is that he's turning 18. And when he turns 18, he can't live with me unless he goes to counseling. And I had, like, an employee counseling thing. And uh, here are all these smart people from school, these guidance counselors and principals and vice principals. Hey, that's a great idea. You know, not a, not a clue as to what was causing the problem or what the problem was. And, and uh, you know, then you read about it and you find out that a lot of uh, schizophrenia doesn't manifest itself or other men mental I issues don't manifest themselves until they're young adults, like 20s. And, uh, you know, that should have been like a, a red flag for them. They're the, they're the experts. I was the one that was going through uh, hell with it. And, uh, you know, maybe Bill was going through the same thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah, he was a character. He was, he was, uh, could have been a leader easily, but, uh, Anyway, uh, everybody, uh, everybody uh, does their own struggles. And you talk about Facebook. I mean, here I am. I avoid it like the plague. And I'm playing pool with these people. And this woman comes up to me and says, oh, you know Eileen? And I go, yeah. <laughs> How do you know? And she says, well, because I saw a picture of her and you on Facebook. So here I am. I'm trying not to go on Facebook. <laughs> I don't go on Facebook, but somebody else drew the picture. Hey. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that was innocent. That was not a big deal. And actually, I, I, after I made that, she made that connection, then I realized I'd met her father and didn't know that either. Huh. But, uh, and again, her father was very un. On, um, he didn't impress me. Well, he impressed me in a very negative way. So, you know, it would probably be better off if I didn't know she was related to him. Because <laughs> now I have to be careful and not say what a slob her father was. Uh -huh. I hope she doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty pretty sure the chances are she's never going to hear this. <laughs> well, that's okay. I haven't mentioned any names. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, you know. What's something you want to accomplish in the next year? 
Stay alive. <laughs> I want to do that too. I hope I succeed. I, uh, I'd like to uh, coat my tree next spring with some Saigon because it's got bugs. Um, Saigon. Hmm? Saigon. Saigon. Oh, It's a banned uh, insecticide. Um, systemic insecticide. Huh? Used to have it. I had be- um, birch trees, and they get little bugs eating the leaves. So what you do is, in the springtime, you paint the Saigon around the birch tree, and... Uh, as the sap goes up, it takes the saigon into the leaves and kills the bugs or won't allow them. You're always trying to save trees and Alex is always trying to kill them. I gotta cut down a tree. I I gotta kill a tree, I gotta cut it down. Well, I've done my share of that, but I I uh I believe the world needs more trees. Of course. Because we've killed more trees than we know. And, uh, Do you ever think of uh, like how how many railroad there are in the earth, and every like foot there's a railroad tie? Yeah. How many trees that is? Yeah, you know where a lot of them came from, Iceland. Trees from Iceland. Yeah. I uh, in my investment days, I, I worked at McLeod Young Weir, and we had what we called these retired directors. And I don't know why, but like they weren't all retired from McLeod Young Weir. They must have done big deals with McLeod or something. So there was one guy that was the president, ex-president of uh, Gulf Oil, and uh, he was saying that he had investments in Iceland for garnets and lumber for railroad ties. Well, thanks for contributing to the Shooting the Shite podcast. <laughs> What's better than one of those there was, a, there was a real amazing guy I never got to meet. I only heard of him. His name was Colonel Phillips. And uh, he um, started off with a picture framing business. And... During the Second World War, he got involved in making the uh, uh, lenses for bomber sites. That's how he became the Colonel Phillips. And he married Sam McLaughlin's daughter from General Motors. And uh, uh, ended up making windshields for cars. And... He divorced or he separated from Colonel Sam's daughter, but continued with the windshields. And uh, at some point, there was a strike in the United States, and they weren't making windshields. The only source of windshields in North America was Duplate, which was Colonel Phillips. And uh, he had a beautiful house up on Teddington Park, just off of Young Street near Don Mills, and most of the, uh, I'm not sure of the exact geography, but there was like a farm, and that's all city now, and that was his land, and the sto- one of the stories was uh, 
he phoned up a car dealership and said he wanted them to bring out two station wagons to his farm. And uh, and the sales guy, that's me, the sales guy... Uh, <laughs> Facebook calling you? <laughs> no, that's a reminder. Take my meds. Mm. Uh so uh, the sales guy talked to his manager and said, yeah, you wouldn't believe this guy wanted me to bring his two cars up to his place and blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, what's his name? He says, Colonel Phillips. He said, well, you better get him up there. And uh, so they drove two cars up there. The guy is in, like, rubber boots, Wellington boots, and, you know, <laughs> looks like a dirty farmer, hops in the, one of the cars, Drives it across a field, comes back and says, "Okay, deliver them to my place in the Bahamas." He owned a bunch. He was he was related to to E. P. Taylor, and uh, um, his. Uh, Who's E. P. Taylor? For the folks at home. And Ben. <laughs> you, you don't know E. P. Taylor? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! How now? I'm showing my age. I guess. <laughs> You know Northern Dancer? Ooh. The horse? Yeah. Yeah. He owned that. Uh, you know Winfield Farms? Yeah. He owned that. Okay. Um, uh, Winfield Farms is a neighborhood. North of Oshawa. North of Oshawa. It's probably the same Winfields like at Leslie, no? Leslie and York Mills? There's a restaurant there? He didn't own a restaurant. He owned farms he owned he owned a lot of stuff one of my neighbors when i lived on lansdowne was a roofer and he was telling the story about how he had to do a roof for e.p taylor and you know one of the richest guys and uh he went uh he says e.p taylor actually came up on the roof to inspect the job you know like he's not used to anybody doing that especially rich guys but uh colonel phillips um, was a tinkerer, so he 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 a tinkerer. Yeah. He, he went out in the garage and tinkered. Yeah, tinkered. He tinkered with stuff. Okay. So he found, or he he got involved with fiberglass. Yeah. So, oh, uh, what's it called? Fiberglass Canada is fifty-one percent owned by. Colonel Phillips. The other 49% was owned by Libby Owens Corning Fiberglass in the United States. He did the same thing with plastic bottles. Uh, he owned 51% of a company called Plax, P-L-A-X. They made plastic bottles back in those days, mostly for shampoos and stuff. But they were trying to get into making plastic bottles for Coke. And if I'd been smart, I would have told him, fuck the Coke. Go after the water. <laughs> Who would have thought people would pay to buy bottled water? More expensive than gasoline. Yeah. So he uh, he had that. And uh, then the other story was he was on a train going to Montreal. And a guy bought him a drink. And so, you know, like, I, I'm really happy here. Let me buy you a drink. He said, well, what are you happy about? He said, I'm going to Montreal to sign a deal. I'm going to be the Canadian distributor of this new product nobody's ever heard of from the Hunt Brothers. What's it called? It's called a dimmer switch. 
Oh, so he got off the train in Kingston, phoned ahead to Montreal and stole the deal off this guy. And he didn't have a distribution for these dimmer, electric dimmer switches, so he bought a company called Smith & Stone that made the regular plugs and outlets. And now he had a distribution network for his dimmer switches. I mean, the guy was just bang, bang, bang. Jesus. He, uh, he, uh, and I, I didn't meet him. I only, I only get to hear about him. I only get to see what, you know, the detritus behind. And what was happening was these guys like Conrad Black were fucking milk, were just killing it. You know, like they were milking the cow. They were killing the golden goose. They weren't producing anything. They were just milking it. Meanwhile, Phillips was, you know, bang, he was making things happen. Massey Ferguson got into trouble and they made him chairman of the board and he turned it around. Yeah, but he was, he was so busy, <laughs> he'd get off the elevator and say, which way is the office? I can't remember, you know. And, and But I would have loved to have met the guy. I met his sons. His one son uh, still worked at Duplate. Uh, I don't know what the hell he did there, but he worked there. And the other one, um, I found out, had been sent to Europe he, and studied art under Salvador Dali. And I had, I had one of my jobs was to clean out the file room, and I got to read all these files and see stuff. So years later, I'm at Duplate, or I'm at McLeod Young Weir with these retired directors, a guy from Gulf and stuff, and there's this German guy hanging on. And uh, I remember telling him he was German, and he said, no, I'm not German, I'm Prussian. Okay, so, you know, like... You're not Greek, you're Macedonians, whatever it is. It's a big deal to you. He shows me a picture. I go, he says, look at this place. I go, oh, yeah, that's Colonel Phillips' place on Teddington Park. He says, how do you know? I said, well, because every once in a while I had to go deliver mail up there. He was dead by then, but I had to deliver it to his wife while they were skimming all the, you know, getting rid of the, killing the company. So... No big deal. Then uh, one day I'm going down to lunch, and there's uh, Wolf, the guy, and this other guy. And he said, I want you to introduce you. This is Ted Phillips, Colonel Phillips' son. And I said, oh, hi, you know, how are you? you know? And uh, we got talking. He says, you saw the files? He said, yeah. I said, he said, he wanted something. And I said, well, why don't you go talk to Jean, Phil Jean whatever her name was, you know, she was the executor of his estate. And he says, well, she's a bitch. She's, she's robbing me blind. And you know, there was a question of what belonged to him or what belonged to the company. And, and uh, he said, I, you know, I, he says, you saw those, those records. I said, yeah. And he says, I would give anything to get those, anything. And I started thinking because my brother, Bob, was working there. When I left, I got Bob the job. And I'm thinking, Wow. And then I said, nah, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't know what I'm getting so, into. So this guy, Harry, is, you said he, it was E.P. Taylor? E.P. Taylor was, him and Colonel Phillips were like in that same group. And you said, I but never got there, to meet him, but I would have liked to have met him? Yeah. And there was another guy, Bud McDougall. There was like three of them. Right. And let me think, how, how did this work? Uh... E.P. Taylor, no, Colonel Phillips was 
married to Bud McDougal's daughter. Oops. So is this guy your your the answer to the question? If you could have dinner with anybody alive today or dead in the history, who would it be? This that would be your answer. I yeah, I would I would enjoy having more more. Uh, 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 I I would hope that he would live up to what I built up in my mind without having met. You know how it is. You like you mm-hmm. you think you you're a hero and then you you meet him and and it turns out he's not. Or would it be Bill? Hmm? Or would it be Bill? Bill, my my friend. Yeah. No, I don't think I could do anything for Bill. I'd rather I'd rather be proactive and go after uh, Colonel Phillips. I'm just saying, like to sit down and have a meal with them, and pick their brain, or you know, if you could talk to Jesus. Well, I would. Or Elvis. I wouldn't learn anything from Bill. It would be it would be depressing to talk to Bill. But just to see him again. Well, that's not what you asked. It's it's. <laughs> what did I ask? I asked if who would be if who would I like to have lunch with and learn more about? I'd like to learn. No, more I didn't about say. Colonel... I just said who would you like to have lunch with? Like see, talk to whatever. Colonel Phillips. Colonel Phillips. I've talked to Bill. I know Bill. Yeah. I spent years with Bill, and and I, there's nothing I could do for Bill in in one meeting that would change anything. You know what I mean? I, if anything, it might only depress me more. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. I want. I want. I'm looking for inspiration. I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for. I, I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. What would be the first question you would ask Colonel Taylor? Who? Phillips. Colonel Phillips, sorry. Why did you let those cocksuckers take over your business and and kill it? Hmm. Why did you do that? You had such a good thing going. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Dominion, you know, Conrad Black, the guy who ran Duplate when I was there is the accountant for Conrad Black. Conrad Black, when he, when he sold all those Hollingers and there was a $20 million uh, non-compete clause, uh, payment, then there was a big argument over did that belong to Conrad Black or did it belong to... Hollinger. It ended up it belonged to, I believe it belonged to uh, Conrad. This is the way it got done. This is the guy who gave up his Canadian citizenship to become a lord in England, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, where they didn't give a shit about him anyway. So he uh, he got the non-compete payment, $20 million. You know what was the real crime in that? Non-compete payments are tax-free. He just got $20 million tax-free. You know who gave him that idea? Dixon Chant. Dixon Chant, until he died, got paid $4 million a year by Conrad Black. And he died at something like 84. Who's Dixon Chant? The guy who ran Duplay. Oh, that guy. He was also the president of the Granite Club and Ah. shit like that. What's so, Duplate? What's Duplate? Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at a windshield, it's actually made up of two pieces of glass with a piece of butyl uh, rubber in between. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's shatterproof, mm-hmm. right? More or less. So that's Duplate. That's the Canadian version of windshields. They made them. 
up in Oshawa. And now it's called uh, PPG Canada or something. They also own uh, CPG, Canadian Pittsburgh Industries. That's the CP Taylor? No, this is Colonel Phillips. What's uh, Frank Stronach? Is he Ukrainian? Frank Stronach is, uh, he might be Hungarian. Hungarian. I'm not 100% sure. He uh, he was right. Or he might even be Austrian or something because mm. he, he, he's right up there. He, he's he's a go-go guy. Yeah, yeah well, another one of those kind of came here and, and somebody called Austrian. him once and said, hey, we need a... Yeah. Uh, we need this thing made or whatever, and and he he figured out how to make figured it, it out, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, the other one. Uh, he found the uranium. Um, th- there was a bunch of them, you know, like real, oh, real well, people who who made things, found things, create things. They they employed Canadians, you know, like. Like uh, Dominion stores. Remember them? Conrad Black got his hands into Dominion stores and wanted to raid the uh, pension fund. And they had to take him to court to stop it. And where's Dominion stores today? Gone. Yeah. You know, like like some somebody built it, and all these guys do is know how to rip it apart and, and tear it down mm-hmm. and, and take all the money that goes with it. That to me is is not good, you know. Like, like Conrad Black, how how can you consider him a a Canadian now, when he gives up his citizenship to become a baron over in the states or in England, and then doesn't like it after a while and wants to come back? Right. No, sorry. <laughs> you know, you you had your chance. You gave it up. You can't come back. But uh, <laughs> Taylor. how high are you right now? Uh, E.P. Taylor. <laughs> e. Taylor, Winfield Farms, Northern Dancer. Um, they used to do the Royal Cana- Royal Winter Fair, the horsey crowd, you know. Right. And uh, actually, is it E.P. Taylor? I think he did the big thing in the Bahamas, where a lot of Canadian rich people retire because there's no taxes, mm. and there was. Uh, I forget who it is now, but he left in his will. Uh, the st- he left the money in the, with the stipulation that they had to go to the Bahamas, and not live in Canada, and pay taxes. Do you have a will? Do I have a will? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why? Not a lot of people have wills. I mean, that's a good thing. Well, it's uh, yeah, you should. Otherwise, it goes into probate, and the government takes control of all that's the estate. And everything. You need to have a will. Yeah, no, I have a will. I'm not sure that I, I'm Didn't happy it, with the way it is. I, I might have to revisit it. Do you know where it is? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> no, you take that as a yes. Oh, okay. The, the reason that I laugh is that shortly before she died, my wife and I went out and got our wills done. Okay. And then when she died, I couldn't find it. And uh, you cannot go back to the lawyer and ask for a copy. Okay. You must have the original will. And I had to look all over for it before I found it. And it was buried in the uh, in the uh, cupboard with uh, in, in between a couple of uh, tablecloths. Huh? 
You know, like the place that you would normally expect to find it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it took a while. And so anyway, no, I know. I'm more like my father. I have a file cabinet. You open it up. There's my last will. There's the house. There's this. Yeah, there's the yeah. taxes. There's, you know, like they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to get into it. But I, I'll leave the breadcrumbs for them to figure it out. I should get a printer, though, because I need to print out my finances. Just so you can see, bang, there it is. Trust me, you don't want to have to fiddle around after the fact. It's too late to ask, you know. Sorry, I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, they don't... They don't really seem to be that interested, but I will try and leave the breadcrumbs. But I have no problem in telling people what I have and where I have sure. it. And, you know, they, I just they can't tell me what to do with it. But we'll figure that out later. <clears throat> What's else? What else is on your mind? Anything? One of the favorite moments I had, at least growing up, was just random shit, like having fun, like the blue car, red van type of thing. Did I tell you about that one before? So I don't know. Maybe I'm a small towner because I was easily entertained and we would hang out. He would have a beer and a cigar and we lived on Finch, like on the corner house, so we could see cars coming by pretty regularly. And we would just sit there and call out a color of the next. Oh, you did tell me this, yeah. Color and maybe the, Contest. like, yeah, not the model. Oh, yeah, but the type. Red truck, green, you know, simple shit. And what was the uh, prize if you were to win this game at the end of the night? Just bragging rights. Bragging rights, okay. <laughs> like, I got more. And, uh. I, I kind of like the, the Virgin Snow story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Let's go down that avenue. Let's oh boy! This. The what? Let's explore his virgin he's, snow. Let's talk some highlights of Dad. He's he's uh, he's in a Catholic school. He's in a Catholic school, and uh, I forget how old he was. He comes home and he says, uh, "You know, what's a virgin?" <laughs> And I'm going, oh, Jesus, I don't know what should I say here, you know, like how, <laughs> how, how much in depth should I go? I, so I think I'm going to go, you know, sideways for a while and see. So I go, uh, you know, uh, when, when, you, when it snows and, and you see that, that hill and it's all white snow and nobody's walked on it. So that's virgin snow. <laughs> And he went away. He was happy with that. <laughs> and, oh, and then he says, no, I know what it means. <laughs> like I've talked about the Playboy story, bringing your Playboy to school. Oh, how about the BB gun? Yeah, BB gun, cell phone. We saw the car with my BB gun. Oh. We, lived on, we lived on the corner house, Finch and Darwin. And we had just a, like an iron fence between us and Finch. And he got a BB gun. 
and I'm telling them, like, you know, be careful with it and everything else. No. Like a rifle? Yeah. And doesn't he, you know, and, and what happens, especially in the summer, Finch, the traffic backs up. So they're they're lined up. <laughs> you thought you were James Bond or something <laughs> hiding behind the. So he goes and he shoots the car. Oh god, the glass. No, I think he just hit the car. It was far away, like it wasn't gonna. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the cops came and uh, confiscated the gun. <laughs> but you uh, could throw it in jail if that was to happen today. Yeah. Well, you gotta. Yeah, that's like they treat it like a like a gun, like yeah, a know. fake gun. You cause all this chaos. I mean, that's. But uh, that was uh, that was something. And then. Uh, As a probation officer. Uh, how, how old? Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go much, did you? Once. I didn't have to do. Yeah, uh, not much. Don't you have to be like charged and in the system or something to actually get? It was like a first offense. Youth justice so, system, baby. Yeah, don't don't screw up. Don't do it again. Um, it was part of growing up. I wonder if I was in the system. Huh? For the fire? Yeah. Do you know that story? What? Uh, when I when I was younger, a, a kid up the street and I came up with this concept, like what. Well, because his uh, grandparents lived right next door to his his family. Yeah. So we went over and knocked on the, the door of his grandfather and said, Dad uh, ran out of smokes. He wants two cigarettes. And yeah. he gave them to us. Yeah, yeah. And then we went over to his dad and we said, Hey, Grampy uh, wants, uh, some cigarettes. wants two cigarettes. And he gave them to us. Now we got four four yeah. cigarettes between the two of us. So we go on our bikes up the street to this uh, potato warehouse. And we're smoking them. And just have this stupid moment lapse of judgment and say, oh, let's make a fire. Because there was some, like, hay on the, on the ground. Right. So we push it all over to the side of the wall and light it, <laughs> yeah. not thinking that the entire inside of the warehouse is built with these little wood slats. Right. So it just starts going and creeping up the wall. Right. And we panicked and we went and got the hose and tried to pull it, but it wouldn't reach and everything. So we just freaked out and, and left. And as we're coming home, his dad's coming the other way and sees us and now yells at us because of this whole cigarette thing. Yeah. So we go home and he keeps going the same direction and drives by this warehouse that has now got smoke coming at it. <laughs> right? Did you get busted for that? Yes. <laughs> yes. But even after my parents, like, you had nothing to do with this, right? No, no. But eventually he came out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I was a bit of a firebug. It kind of fa- fascinated me. <laughs> I t- this has been a very, very revealing podcast for me. <laughs> Lots of little things opened up here. <laughs> the stupidest thing I did was I, I started to light a fire underneath the uh, oil tank. Oh, yeah, that's not very smart. No, it wasn't very smart at all. But he comes today, he's all like proud of himself. Like, my phone fell in the fire last night. I reach in, I grab it, and I'm like, how close are you to the fire? Like, what's going on? He tells you the story, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, didn't burn himself. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, the level of thinking that went in such a quick moment. 
in that state. Should really be keeping you as far away from flame as possible. You know, you might spontaneously <laughs> combust on us one day or something. The, uh, yeah, like if I left it in there, the battery would just explode, no? I don't know about that. I think it would just melt. and Regular batteries, lithium batteries. I've seen it on YouTube where you take it apart and the lithium is in there and that, that's very flammable. Like, well, that's what I mean. If the fire got to the lithium battery, it would... I think it would just burn, though. I don't think it would explode. No, I think it would explode. Explode, really? Yeah, especially because it's wrapped tight. So it would it pop? Or it's going to be like a bomb? It's going to No, explode. it's more like a bomb. Really? Oh, yeah. That's all a bomb is. Like, it's that expulsion. So when your phone's out in the sun and it shuts off because it's too hot, that's not a very... Not great. That's not a very good thing. Not great. There's a reason it's shut off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... uh... Plus, I use it, I think, to make meth. (laughs) What? (laughs) And the hits just keep on coming. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me, senor. I think... I think lithium is used in the process to make methamphetamine. I don't, I don't really, I'm not that familiar with the process, but I, I do recall somebody taking batteries apart, unrolling the lithium, and using it in the process somehow. Is this like a, a scene from Breaking Bad or something? They're making. Well, YouTube, man. I mean, you can find an <laughs> atomic bomb on that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, I got to pee. <laughs> and I should be going. Yeah, heard from the girls at all? Are we supposed to no, go pick them up? Or? No. All right. Yeah, we will have to. But... Oh. I'm sure they're... Uh... <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, so do you know how to go and listen to this once I post it? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> you don't have to be on Facebook to listen to Shooting the Shite. You can get it. Okay. All right. Alex will point you in that direction. Yeah, you, you can set me up. Okay, good. All right. I'll make a recording and destroy it.